0: continuing our series we pray and I ask our bishop to come talk about that because he's kind of an expert about that and so I want us today give our bishop a great big welcome as he brings us the word how many he's going to preach with him thank you give that to the Lord now give the Lord the biggest praise to God You may seat yourselves, I usually don't preach over an hour and a half oh. and it's like my uh, wife's home pastor, his wife, <clears throat> her name was Montell, and she called her husband Barney. They left church one Sunday morning and it was kind of quiet in the car. She said, I really enjoyed your message this morning. He said, oh good. She said, especially the first 30 minutes. That was a nice, subtle way of saying it, wasn't it? I want to speak to you today about intercessors. Say it with me. Is Tanya Huntley here? I want her to stand up. She's a miracle, aren't you, Tanya? Let's give God praise. Wonderful. She was stricken with a virus, not necessarily Corona, but it left her uh, unable to walk you all prayed and now we're seeing the results. 750 years before Christ, Israel was a one God nation. They had come through the Red Sea. God had given them manna to sustain them. They had seen Pharaoh's armies and chariots drowned in the sea. God kept them warm at night, cool by day, gave them water out of a rock, kept them through those treacherous days for 40 years. And he told them, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Say it with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That is something you burn into your brain and don't ever get rid of it. You teach it to your children while you're in the way, while they're in the home. Israel was suffering now from tyranny, the tyranny of a wicked and an evil government. Ahab and Jezebel, the notorious, nefarious, pernicious duo. Whatever he couldn't think of, she could. And they were wicked. And they took the nation of Israel into a terrible tyranny. 1 Kings sixteen thirty says, Ahab, the son of Omri, did more evil in the sight of the Lord than those before him. He was the worst king heretofore. He got worse. Verse 32, he set up an altar for Baal in the temple that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord than any other. God was ticked. Say it. Some preach that God is just a God of love. Well, sometimes I think some people are going to be loving themselves all the way to hell. God has a side when he gets ticked, you better be in good favor with him. Just want to get that across the first of my message. Here's what he erected, we think. This is a, an image of Baal or Baphomet. Now you say, well, that's sort of harmless and archaic, and that has nothing to do with us today. Well, I will tell you that very same replica of that image was erected in the Illinois State Capitol building on December 2021. Because now if you put up a Christmas display, the Satanist church wants to put up their display so we have equal rights for everybody. Boy, that's a great religion, whatever that is. If I walked into church and saw that, I'd scream. That'd scare me. How many want to go to that church? How many don't want to go to that church? There was something going on, though. There was one man. Somebody say one man. His name was Elijah. Elijah is what we would call an enigma. E-N-I-G-M-A. An enigma is a character that comes out of uh, obfuscation, out of nowhere, and comes across the national scene... Then everybody's talking about him, and then sort of fades off. He's not known well, and then goes to a, a place of popularity. <clears throat> I believe that there was a, um, I believe there was a quarterback, I believe, for the 49ers his name was Brock, and I think he was a rookie, and for a while he was out in front. But he, he was an enigma. And this man was also not only an enigma. He was an egregious character, odd, odd, off the charts odd. He wore camel's cloth, um, highly, highly athletic, and um, just his own person. I think today we need more people like him. Christians, I have to ask you a question. Whom are you trying to impress? Who are you trying to impress? I haven't seen anything out there that's impressionable for me. I just don't see a lot of people I want to conform to their their ways. But I see a book that I'd like to conform to. (laughs) Romans says being conformed to the image of his son. We need to be conformed to the image of Jesus more and more like him. So Israel falls into idolatry, and there's one man. I don't know how long it took for his angst to build up and his anger, but one day he strolled in to the palace unannounced and uninvited, crashed the gates of security, walked right up to the palace doors, went in to the throne room, sat down next to King Ahab and said, how are you doing this morning? And he said, well, I'm here to tell you, I just turned the rain off. And Ahab is going, you've turned the rain off. He said, there'll not be another drop of rain in Israel until I release it and I allow God to let it rain again. Now that's some kind of power. How it worked. An ordinary man literally controlled The rainfall by speaking it. Basically, when you control the rainfall, you control the nation and the economy. No rain, no economy, no food. Here's how it worked there's one thing that is not under the control of the Republicans or the Democrats, thank God. And that's rain. Only God can give rain. And that made this nation most vulnerable. God controls the rain. And in a moment of time, God can cripple an entire nation or an economy with no rain because there is no food. At this moment, in that historical event, Elijah, in effect took control of the entire nation. His secret was he knew the word of God. And he had been reading the Bible, something you ought to try sometime. He had been reading in Deuteronomy, verse eleven fourteen. 14, I will give you reign of your land in the due season the first rain and the latter rain. I will send grass for your cattle that you may eat and be full. It's God's will for us to eat and be full. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes God has to get our attention through tragic means. It would be better for you to have God get your attention now than for you to come to eternity and him say to you, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't think I know you. Can you imagine those harsh words? But then he says, take heed, lest your hearts get deceived and be turned aside to serve other gods. That's exactly what they did. When they put that image inside of a temple and began to worship that ugly, ugly image, God said, that's when I'll turn the rain off. So God warns Israel that when you enter into the promised land, I promise you, he said, so help me God. Because he could swear by no other greater. He said, if you turn to other gods, I will shut the heavens and there will be no rain. And that is exactly King Ahab had done this idolatry. So on the authority of the word of God. When you're in the word of God, you carry authority. When you say the Bible says, you have a weighty speech. On the authority of Deuteronomy, Elisha bases his prayer. He said, I have just shut the heavens, walks out the door of the palace, disappears into obscurity, and he cannot be found anywhere. But on the other hand, the Bible did say, if Israel repents, then God would turn the rain back on and so in first in James chapter 5 we get a little insight into who who Elijah was James was Lord Jesus Christ's brother Jesus had a fleshly brother and his name was James and he wrote the book of James man how would you like to grow up in the house with Jesus that almost be scary you know Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, James 5 and 17. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not. That is some kind of a prayer life. I'm going to challenge you today on your prayer life. What kind of a prayer life do you have? Is it nil, non existent, is it sporadic, is it intermittent, or is it consistent? Now that is multiple choice test I just gave you when actually you don't have a choice. If you're going to mature in Christ, if you're going to walk with God, you must get a consistent prayer life. If you do not get a consistent prayer life, you will have battles with the devil and the flesh and everybody else. Get a consistent prayer life find somewhere to pray, cordon yourself off, and make yourself pray for a few minutes. And it says he prayed again, and the rain came. Now, what kind of power is that? It says in 1 Kings 8, when the heavens are shut up and there's no rain, because they, Israel, have sinned against God, if they turn toward me, then I will hear from heaven and forgive the people in Israel. Teach them the good way that they should walk in. Teach your families the good way they should walk in, that God will send rain on your family, send rain on your house, spiritual rain, Holy Ghost rain, so your family will be blessed. How many of you want your family blessed above all of the families of the world? I want you to pray a prayer with me right now. Lord, bless my family abundantly. I couldn't hear that. I know how God could. Lord, bless my family abundantly. you got to get aggressive if you're going to get an answer. Lord, bless my family abundantly. Somebody got it (laughs) anoint them keep them in the power of God's love so Elijah read that the people repented he could send the ring now here's what I found strange Ahab has a crown Ahab has a kingly robe and Ahab has a kingly throne but guess who's in charge Elijah he is in there in his pompous arraignment and he's putting on this show of royalty walking around the palace in flowing robes and a big crown and he's got this throne but there's a man outside the city talking to God and he's running the whole nation Elijah, because he had a direct line to God, was running the whole nation. Elijah was running the economy. The other one was just a puppet. He was a marionette on strings. Elijah was actually in charge of the nation. When God saw repentance, when God saw repentance, Elijah said, Lord, make it rain now after three and a half years. Now, I ask you a question. Who was really ruling over Israel? It was the praying prophet. It was the praying prophet. What can we do today to take that ancient story and make it relevant to our times? What can we do? Well, the first thing the church is going to have to do is come out of its slumber. We're asleep, folks. We are asleep and we're numbed. Knowing the time, it's high time to awake out of sleep. Awake, thou that sleepest, and Christ will give you light. Times in Israel became so bad that King Ahab looked in his royal stables and saw the royal horses dying. He had an associate. His associate's name was Obadiah. He said, Obadiah, we've gotta go find water. I'll go one way and you go the other. Obadiah goes his way and he runs head on into Elijah. After three and a half years, they find Elijah. He had disappeared. And Elijah says to Obadiah, go tell your king Ahab it's getting ready to rain. He said, I'm going to see that the rain comes. Now, may I tell you, Obadiah answered and he said, as sure as I go back and find Elijah, you'll be gone. I know this is hard to wrap around your head, but Elijah had a habit of flying. He would fly from one place to the other. Everybody in Israel knew there was this strange, weird, godly prophet that no one would touch with a 10-foot pole. But he had a habit of disappearing, and he would literally fly or be godly transported. And Obadiah said, you stay right there, because if I go find Ahab and tell him there's rain and bring him to you and you're gone, he'll kill me. So how many of you'd like to have a habit of flying? It's in the Bible. Here comes Elijah and Obadiah, and here comes Ahab. Here's what he said. First Kings 18 and 17. The first thing he says to Elijah, are you, are you the one who is troubling Israel? Are you the troubler? That was Elijah's moniker. In the palace, Ahab and Jezebel had a nickname for Elijah. They called him the troublemaker. That troublemaking Elijah has done this to our regime. We can't sin like we want to sin. We can't can't do what we want to do because there's a godly man that's locked us up And we're all tied up and we just can't do revelry like we like to do revelry now i'm going to bring this to you this morning he had a moniker he called him the troublemaker or the troubler those of you who know some of our history when we first founded this church nobody ever called us christ tabernacle they called us that church Why did they call us that church? Because we had people from every background come through this door. They would pray through to the Holy Ghost. They would walk out this door, and they would tell everybody they knew. But I tell you what else we did. We became a troubler. We troubled the demons. See, the demons thought they had this region, but they didn't. Because there was a church that began to trouble The spirits. You say, well, what are you talking about, devils? If you're going to pray, you're going to fight devils, and devils are real, and demons are real. And the Bible tells us you must first bind those demons if you're going to get a spiritual authority. Now, what I'm preaching right now would scare most churches to death this morning, but I think you all look brave. So you want to go a little further? I'm a demon fighter. I'm a demon fighter you got to go into spiritual warfare. you got to bind the strong man. So here it is, the story. I ask you the question. I ask you this question. Why are God's people not in charge in America? Where's my Elijah spirit? Are you yet grieved by what you've seen going on? How grieved are you? My contention is, at some point, the real people of God in America are going to reach a seething point, And they're going to pray strong prayers and flip this thing. We are getting closer to the flipping of this nation. If we want to. If we can keep away from the sports world and the entertainment world long enough to pray, because most of God's people today are on sports parks. When Jesus comes, he'll have to fly over all the ball fields to collect whatever he's got left. Yeah, I told you, I told someone, I came to this pulpit loaded with two six-shooters. So if I hit you today, just be tough and take it. if America can come away from her entertainment and her sports and actually find a place to pray something's going to happen in America the reason we're here today in this nation and the reason we're hearing the most ridiculous things you've ever heard is because we're not praying like we need to pray we're not praying like we need to pray you got to bind the strong man Then you go in and you spoil his goods. The strong man is the presiding demon over a nation or a region. Matthew 12, 29. How can you enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and spoil his house? Ahab had a crown. Ahab had a throne. Ahab paraded about in a robe. Elijah ruled. Who is Elijah? I think he's representative of the overcoming church that's walking in power. We don't need more fog today, nor more lights, or more fun, or more entertainment. We need more intercessors. We need more intercessors. Intercessors are prayer warriors who can rule in their region The strong men or spirits of darkness that harass the apostolic church. The power of prayer. My question is this. Where is your breaking point? Where is your breaking point where you will finally break down and become an intercessor? And I'm not talking sporadically. I'm not talking about when you're at the ER prayer. I'm talking about when a good normal day, the sun's shining, you still find a good place to pray. Is there a praise in this house today? So the old wicked king thought he would take the whole nation down He thought he'd take them all into idolatry and this strong man walked in and changed his plans, locked it all up and took over. He ruled by prayer. Someone say, he ruled by prayer. Louder. He ruled by prayer. In the New Testament, it's a little bit different. In the New Testament, God works through corporate prayer. Yes, you can have and should have individual prayer but we must move beyond our own individual prayers. Individual prayers are a necessity. In chapter 12 of Acts, there was another king, King Herod, wicked, wicked, immoral, immoral. He decided that he would kill James, the apostle, the fine young man Jesus found along the shore fishing and said, come and I'll make you fishers of men. He slew him. And then he slated to execute the apostle peter the next morning but he decided not to because it was a passover season and it's usually not good to kill somebody on sunday it doesn't fly too well so when he saw when he saw the slaying of james by his sword pleased the jews he went after peter next because The Jews loved dead apostles. Hear me this morning. Herod's rating in the polls of popularity shot up overnight from the Jewish sector. They liked dead Christians. Herod put Peter in prison with four sets of four soldiers each, bound him in chains, put two soldiers on each arm, Escape was actually impossible. Maximum security is what we would call it. Here's where we're going, Acts 12 and 5. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer. Somebody say, but prayer. That turned the whole thing. Prayer turns every impossible situation. Every situation you've got pivots upon what you'll do in prayer. You've got to get a prayer life. Right. You say, I don't know what to pray. Well, follow me for a few days and you'll be praying. Right. I will teach you how to pray. I have a lifestyle of prayer. You get around me and you'll catch it. Right. There's a lot of people here that's caught it from me. Now, here it is. Everyone say, but prayer. 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 There was something happened. The night before his trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, and Herod would have brought him forth the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers kept the doors of the prison. I want you to know, prayer without ceasing was going up to God, and prayer activated an angel did you know your prayer life will activate an angel did you know if you will pray angels will watch over you on the highway did you know if your son's a thousand miles away and you feel a burden in your heart you can pray and God will send an angel did you know God will send angels to do a fight for you so we're over here at a lady's house called Mary Mary is a Mary's a New Testament Pentecostal filled woman. And she called a prayer meeting. She said, folks, we're not going to let this go. Now, I'm going to put it like this. I'm going to call James Bud Light. I'm kind of proud of the old Bud Lighters. I don't know who they are. But I'm going to tell you about the old Bud Lighters. You start cutting on children and they'll just slash your pay. It didn't go over very well. I'm glad because it's a, new, it's a new word in our system today. They'll just bud light you. That means go woke, go broke. This little woman called a prayer meeting. She said, we got to wake up, folks. they would killed James and Peter's going in, in the morning. I think it's time to pray. That's called Christ is praying. Behold the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in prison and he smote Peter on the side, woke him up. I want you to see something. Get this. That angel cut the chains off his hands. You don't think so, do you? Do you think there's a correlation between prayer and angels? Could be notice the chains fell off first now if you've got someone in prison and you're praying them out if they get out of prison they'll go right back to what they're doing because the chains are still on the chains are still on if you bring them out of incarceration and they're still chained they're chained to the devil so the first thing the angel said is we got to break your chains the first thing you've got to get broken are the chains of your habits that are self-destructive and your self-destructive lifestyle. You've got to break those chains or you've got to let God break those chains. Peter would have looked kind of odd going down the street like this. He would have looked like an escapee. He'd been back in. But the first thing God does is he breaks chains. He's a chain breaker. Before you get out of prison, get those things broken. It's good to get out of your personal prison too. Peter thought he was having a vision and he couldn't believe it was just too good to be true. God does those things sometimes, just too good to be true, right? They passed through the first ward and the second ward and they came to the last gate, which was an iron gate. I wanna to talk to you about that iron gate. That iron gate is that impenetrable gate you're trying to get through right now. Some of you are beating on an iron gate. You're trying to get a breakthrough. And that iron gate, you've broken some of these gates, but now you're at the iron gate and you're just beating on it and you're yelling and you're screaming, God help me, God help me. Well, I want you to know all it took was that angel's touch and that gate opened. God can send you angels to break open every gate, break every chain, set you free. They walked out on straight street. I find that interesting. When you get out of your prison of life and your chains are broken, you better walk straight. Get on straight street. Stay on straight street. Just for heads up, we need the ministry of angels in this hour. Now again, I ask you, Back in First Kings, was Ahab running the nation or was Elijah? Elijah? When we come to Acts chapter twelve, we're in Jerusalem, by the way, and here's this little hot and taut Herod. He's got a throne, he's got a crown, and he's got a robe, and he's got a sword, and he's killing apostles but over across town was a little old woman and she got some people together and said, we're going to pray tonight. And they prayed without ceasing. So I ask you a question. Who was running Jerusalem? Mary. Mary Mary was in charge of the city. Mary was in charge of the prison. Mary was over the king. This is not just theory. This is reality. Now, who really was in charge is the question we ask. John, Mark's mother, Mary. Their prayers vetoed the plans of evil. The devil has plans for your community. The devil has plans for your family. You nullify his plans with great prayer. You break his plans. You veto his plans for the region in which you live. This shall be a drug-free region. This shall be a Holy Ghost-filled region. This shall be a God-infused region. This region shall be known for signs, wonders. The devil can't have this region. It's time for the church to step over the line. Let me explain to you what the DMZ is. After the Korean War, North Korea, South Korea, put a three-mile zone called the DMZ. If you step over that line from South Korea, you're probably dead before you get your next foot put forward. If you step over that line from North Korea, you're probably the same. Nobody goes into the DMZ demilitarized zone it's not just a gentleman's agreement keep the nations free nobody comes nobody goes and the devil's done the same thing to the christians well i'm going to challenge you this morning to step your foot over the line and get into the dmz and say devil i'm coming after these souls you can shoot at me but i just put on the whole armor of god Finally, my brethren, put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. What Christians have done is made an agreement with the devil and we didn't even know it. We don't touch his crowd, so he tries not to touch our crowd. And so nobody's doing any damage anywhere. Somebody needs to step into the DMZ and said, I'm coming after that one, and I'm coming after this one, and I'm coming after this one, and I'm coming after, one, and I'm coming after that one. Fire your bullets. But I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I got on the helmet of salvation. My feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, take the shield of faith. Learn to wield the shield of faith. That the fiery darts of the wicked one would be deflected. Is there a praise in this house? We whine, we complain, we're critical and we're politically cynical, but we don't pray enough. We're not praying the right kind of prayers. The need of the hour is for more intercessors who take authority over the devil and say, you can't have America. You can't have our children. Sporadic prayer won't cut it. Individuals who will labor in prayer for the nation. That's why you will see intercessory prayer in this church. As long as we stay on our side of the line, the devil stays on his other side, and we have a peace treaty with darkness, I'm challenging you to step over and go after that one over there. The Bible says others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Firefighters, Walk right up to the point of the fire. If they can grab a leg or grab an arm or grab a finger, and they're almost in flames themselves, but they're going like this. I want you to translate over to the kingdom of darkness. Somebody here needs to go rescue a soul. They're in the fire. Grab an arm, grab a leg, grab a jacket, grab whatever you can get a hold of and start pulling them out. Save others. Save others. Save others from the fire. Now, that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. The next day, Herod stood up and gave a great speech. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in his royal apparel, sat on his throne, probably had on a crown. He thought he was running the region. You talk about a deceived person. And over across town was this little old Holy Ghost-filled Pentecostal grandma. And she got a bunch of people together and they'd probably been praying in tongues six hours. And she was in charge of the city. Does that challenge you today? Does that challenge you today? And the people, when they saw him, gave a great shout and they said, it's the voice of a God. Immediately, someone say immediately. Say immediately. The angel of the Lord smote him. He fell dead. And by the time his body hit the ground, maggots were eating his body. The Bible said the word of God grew and multiplied and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem and fulfilled their ministry. Watch how the judgment of God works when people pray. Herod gave a speech. The people swooned on him. It is the voice of a God. Immediately this same angel that got Peter out of prison smote this wicked man. I'm not going to carry this too far. But if I were a political figure, I'd be very careful what I say. If it's against God, I would be very fearful to stand on a public platform and say anything against God's people, God's word, or God himself. Beware. The results were this, unified corporate prayer, everything that was resisting the work of God was systematically removed because a prayer meeting in a beautiful woman's house. She opened the house. She was spiritually aware that something had to be done and she helped make it heaven. I want you to know Herod died an embarrassing, shameful, and agonizing death. The angel struck him down because of his arrogancy. It ended his political career. United Prayer brought it about. Angels go and do what we cannot go and do. They do. You can't get into this maximum maximum prison. But God can. God can get angels and break chains. So in the light of all that I have preached heretofore, who was ruling Israel? Elijah. Who was ruling in Jerusalem? John Mark's mother. They both had thrones, they had crowns, and they had robes, but the praying people ruled. Now here's where I'm going. Our prayers are too small. Our prayers are too small. We pray mostly about people getting healed and we should. If I'm sick, you better be praying for me. But after you've prayed for the sick, then you need to start praying some bigger prayers. And the bigger prayers are this. I want you to see this over here in the scripture. In First Timothy two one through six, and this will be my. We're entering now into a descent. I exhort therefore that what. I wonder what first of all means. Does anybody can tell me what's the first thing you do in the morning? I struggle toward the curing and get my Folgers <laughs> then I get mine I get clarity of mind strengthen my body and then I can continue my duties first thing so when God says to Paul first of all he says this is what I want you to do first of all now watch where go, where we're going he said supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. This is one of the most logical and clearly laid out passages in the Bible. It's almost impossible not to understand this. Paul is saying, pray for good government. How many of you know God knows the hearts of every person in government? I don't. I see some of their fruits that makes me wonder what's in the heart. But truly God knows the heart. Paul says, pray you will have good government so you can live a peaceable life in our nation. Pray for all men. Man, this is really hard for me to do. It takes all of God I've got and the Holy Ghost to pray for Pritzker. That's a large field of coverage. But I try to be nice. I won't tell you what to pray, but I pray. He didn't tell me what to pray, he just said, pray. Yeah, even the little kid gets it. <laughs> he said, pray for all men. You say, well, how do I pray? Well, i tell you what I do. When I go to pray, I start, first thing that comes out of my mouth is people's names that go to church here. I, I can see, I pray for Gary and Janet Nichols and Sean and Nathan and Krista. Uh, and then um, I pray for Phoenix Thunder. That's a name that's hard to forget. And then I pray for Adam and Kamala Stein up in Wisconsin and for Navy Mira, another name hard to forget. Unusual names get more prayer. So the next time you have a kid, put some kind of an unusual name on there and we'll never forget it. <laughs> I told my niece in St. Louis, she's got three boys. I said, I can remember two of them. Third one's on his own. You wouldn't have so many kids that all get prayed for. (laughs) Seriously. Paul says, pray for good government. And I'm gonna show you why. Are people more likely to be saved in North Korea or North America? North America, why? There's no churches in North Korea. The devil's locked it down. There's no Bibles, but where you have churches and Bibles and you've got preaching, people are more apt to get saved. Nobody got shot at on the way to church today. Right. Amen. Nobody stood at the door saying, don't you go in there yes. right. and don't ever forget it. The form of government you have determines what kind of liberty you have in the church right. Right. because they can. So don't get lazy in this hour and just think the church will always be open. There'll be a time about, you know, 15 days before rapture. I'm going to run down there and get baptized and I'm going to get the Holy Ghost and I'm going to get all rapture ready. I'm going to tell you, you better stay ready. You better get ready and stay full of the Holy Ghost. Things can change when governments change the churches change. That's why Paul said, "The first thing you do." Now, here's what we do: every Sunday morning, about nine fifteen, we have a team that comes in here and starts intercessory prayer. Has anyone ever seen that or been in it? Yeah, it's really, really good. Had a good team going here this morning. What we're we doing? That's the first thing we do. Paul said, don't wait till the third thing, make it the first thing. So before we ever start church, we bind demons. Do you think the devils are hoping for success of this church service? No, you take authority over them. Where do you put it? First priority. Why do we pray like this? Because the Bible says God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Here's God's heart. To come in and be saved. So here's what I'm saying. If Elijah ruled over Israel, if Mary ruled over Jerusalem, what about you and me trying to do something here? Maybe we are not as intense as we should be. I'm going to throw it to you. I've got a feeling that if the adults in this church came to one or two Monday night prayers a year, things would change. I understand life. I understand your schedule. I get it. I totally get it. But there just comes a time when you say prayer is more important to me than anything else in the world. And get off of that attitude. My prayers don't make a difference. I'm telling you, your first three words make a difference. Give God a praise. Praise. If Elijah can turn a nation and Mary could turn Jerusalem and the region, I think God's church at this hour can turn some things. Right. Now, when you're on the plane and the pilot says, please return to your seats and buckle your belts, what do you think? It's going to get bumpy. It's going to be turbulence. So here's what I'm telling you. Buckle your seatbelts. The next two years in America will be bumpy. There's going to be some bumpy bumps, some turbulence. I am not afraid. I am walking with God. You are walking with God. We will be in charge. God's not trying to save America as much as he's trying to create an atmosphere where souls can be saved. He doesn't love America over Africa or Russia. He just wants us to have an atmosphere maintaining where souls can be saved. He said that all men should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I'm coming to a close. Slide 15, if you will. I've got a beautiful picture here for you. Well, why do we pray? (laughs) Why do we intercede? I wanna give you a beautiful picture called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Uh, Those are men dressed like women, mimicking a Catholic order of nuns. And their theme is not go and sin no more Their theme on their website says, come and send some more. And the brilliant, brilliant leadership of the L.A. Dodgers, MLB, thought it would be brilliant to feature them on the 16th of June. There's not enough money you could pay me to go to that game. I'd be scared to death, lightning, could fall out of heaven and strike. I fear God. I'm not gonna go around that. I want you to hear me. Somewhere in America, something's gonna happen and it's gonna trigger the apostolic church, and the apostolic church is gonna come up in arms and start praying prayers. We don't win this by bullets. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Do you want your kids at that ball game? Do we want to get a bus? Somebody say shame. Shame. That's a sin. And I'm gonna call it out in the pulpit. Now, if the person is an adult and they decide they want to be transgender, if they're an adult, they can go do what they want to do. But just don't cram it down our throat. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to read about it. And I don't want to be around it. Whatever you want to do, just go do. But don't get in my face. If two adults want to move in together and commit adultery against the Bible, just get ready to pay the price for it. It's called sin and God will judge it. Can't do anything about it, but I'll just preach the word. It's wrong and it's a sin. But there are people who defy the preacher and they'll defy the word of God because they're going to do what they want to do. Risky business. Now I'm asking you, how are we going to save our kids? How are we going to save our kids? What is your plan to save your family? We are going to fight in prayer and boycott Target. The Bible said expose it the Bible didn't say tiptoe around it the Bible said stand in pulpits and expose it I'm proud of those people who quit drinking Bud Light I don't know if they just changed beers or got saved but I'll put it this way they're right on target that picture you just saw is not something new someone say not new in the old testament days there were goddess cults who had men changing to women women turning to men for illicit purposes in their cultic worship temples they had gender blur gender confusion gender dysphoria is nothing new hold on look at deuteronomy 22 5. That's what this is really talking about. They had men in these temples changing their attire to women, and women were dressing like men. And God said, the woman shall not wear that that which pertains to a man, nor a man put on a woman's garment. That's an abomination. So when I look at this picture, that's exactly the scripture God was, this, this is sickening. This is repulsive. This is insulting to religious orders. I don't know too many nuns that are boozing it up and doing drugs. They live a pretty boring life. But you know what? If that's the way they live, I'm not going to knock it. I'm calling this out today, folks. I'm calling sin out. And we can prepare the cabin for landing. You may have to, in your future, shrink your circle of friendship. I'm going to give you a word from God he gave me this week. We are entering into a prophetic hour. None of us have ever been here. And as old as I am, I have never seen anything like I'm seeing. But you are going to have to go to extreme measures to save your children you will have to go to extreme measures to save your children and it's going to start with your personal lifestyle it's going to start with the way you live and the way you behave and the way you dress yourself and everything else you must be proactive in saving your children your friends listen the friends you keep are influencing your kids Oh, they just drop a little F-bomb once in a while. It's not too bad. A little GD stuff. and a little They got a little cursing going on. They're influencing your friends. The friends you keep that you're cool with, they are influencing your kids away from the kingdom of God or toward the kingdom of God. And if they're tearing your kids down, extinguish that friendship. My God, help us. That's radical. You got to get radical. Nobody's gonna save your home but you I can't save your home. I can preach a stirring message, but I cannot come run your house You have to make a plan to save your children because it's getting darker and darker and darker and I'm not depressed In fact, I'm looking up for great things from God. I'm looking for the greatest things Satan will do anything to get your kids out of church. Five, three, Satan will get your kids out of church. Any, and it may look benign. Oh, it's just a ball game. And then it's just another ball game. They only missed this lesson. Then they missed that lesson. Then we missed that Sunday the next Sunday. And here's where Christians lost it. Here's where Christians lost it. When the sports associations years ago began booking children's ball games on Sundays, we didn't stand up, we gave in. There was no pushback, so they thought it was all right. We should have pushed back. When are we gonna push back like Elijah and say, I'm in charge? When are we gonna be like Mary and say, I'm gonna run this city. Get a prayer life, save your children, because Satan is on the way to do anything he possibly can. Ephesians 5 11 have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Expose them, expose them. Two weeks ago today, A fine young man named Cameron Robbins was graduated in Louisiana from a very prestigious high school. Today, his parents are preparing his funeral. Handsome young man. He went on a cruise out in the Bahamas last weekend with several hundred high school kids. And my heart's broken for these parents. I just don't know how they can even cope. I don't know how this boy's parents can even walk to the funeral home to make a plan. That would be the most heartbreaking thing. Give your kid a cruise, his body is shipped home. It was called a booze cruise. And the commentators said most of the people on the boat were scantily clad. And when, you're get, when you get drunk, you do stupid things. I've never been drunk. I've done some stupid things. I didn't have to get drunk to do it. <laughs> but at three in the morning, they were out in the deep and, the, and the, the report says it was a shark infested ocean area. And they got to drinking and somebody must have, I don't know. I want, I'm praying this boy went to heaven. He may not have been drinking, but you know how kids will do? Why don't you just jump over and see if you can swim? They just razzed one another, and finally he, he ran back, and he heaved his body over into that shark-infested waters, and they thought it was a shark they saw come up, and just... Handsome, brilliant, young high school boy. Eternity. The last words he heard from the kids on the deck were not good words. The Bible says, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. And I am here today to uproot sin. I'm here to expose sin. And if you get into sin, I promise you, I'm going to preach to you. I promise I'm going to preach to you. Because if I expose sin, then you have a better chance of being saved. Somebody give Jesus a big praise. If your friends are not in the prophetic flow, we're moving right now into a zone of prophetic activity, which will lead to the rapture. If your friends aren't talking about spiritual things, get new friends. They are affecting your children. They will help you not prepare your kids for the rapture. I walked all over Washington DC this week. Someone must have dumped out 20,000 junior hires the day before. They were coming in droves. (laughs) My thought was, do these kids know Jesus? Do these kids know God is coming? In fact, one of the young boys with us, as we were driving through the city, there was a church and it had a rainbow flag on it. And he said, is that a church and they do that? He said, how does that work? I said, they don't preach the Bible. I'm preaching the Bible today. And out of the mouth of a 13-year-old, he said, you mean they don't know about the rapture? You mean they don't know about the great tribulation? I said, no, they don't know. They're walking into it. I'm not telling you to go home today and sit in a chair and wait for the rapture. I'm telling you, engage in life and be ready. I'm telling you, you got to talk about it. you got to talk about it. you got to preach about it. And you got to think about it. But you can't let it drive you crazy. God doesn't want you a mental mess over the present evil. He doesn't want you depressed over what's going on. He's in charge. I'm telling you, God's in charge. It doesn't look like it right now, but I've been reading a lot of scriptures, and I'm telling you, God's going to raise up and roar. When the lion of the tribe of Judah starts to roar, you hold on. We're going forward in Jesus' name. I close. Be careful of your hearts will be charged and weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, anxieties of life, and that day will trap you unawares. I discovered that one of the clothing designers for Target is a Satanist. He lives in London, and on the clothes that he designs for Target, they have satanic symbols woven in them. I also discovered that Target supports financially organizations that work with schools to promote transgenderism but keep it hidden from their parents not another dollar from me not another dollar from me if i can't get it a dollar general i might not need it I'm telling you, we don't have to be mean. We don't have to be in the streets. We don't have to be doing any kind of damage. We're not gonna do harm, that's not us. But on our knees, we're dangerous. And on our knees, we're powerful. Here I come, here I come. When when Daniel Bland first started coming here, I discovered something in Daniel. And I discovered he had a uh, gift of intercessory prayer like many of you that I've helped train and like Bill Martin and uh, Nathan Nichols from the time he was about 12 could pull fire out of heaven almost in his prayers and a lot of you have that gift but I began to work with him and he's part of one of our prayer teams that come in here on Sunday morning and last Sunday morning and Mike will bear witness that boy prayed he got up here and began to pray that's the kind of prayer we have to have If you want some prayer, get here early. If you can't do anything but sit here and absorb it, get here and absorb it. But I'm telling you, folks, we're walking into a prophetic era. We're walking into a prophetic time and suddenly the Lord's going to come from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel. We're not going to go up as a church. We're going to go up as individuals. I can't get you ready, but I can do myself and get me ready. And you can get your family ready. You got to be in a church where it's preached and the word of God goes forth. I heard an old, old story How the Savior came